1: hey guys it 's jenna i 'm here today talking with Danny Carlson about the best philosophy and structure for a plus content and amazon storefront let 's go ahead and jump into it all right awesome well hey guys, we have Danny here and um, you know Danny and I are really excited today to talk to you guys uh, a little bit about just some really awesome brand registry tools also want to talk a little bit about uh, his thoughts on what's going on with COVID-19. So, hey, Danny, how you doing?
0: Excellent. Great to be on here and uh, chatting with you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Glad to have you on today. So, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, Danny is an awesome Amazon expert and, you know, we're really excited to, you know, hear from him, hear his advice on everything going on Amazon. So, you know, let's start with the basics. Uh, Danny, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your Amazon journey, how you got started and what you're doing now?
0: Yeah. So I got started back in 2016 and I kind of got into this whole world from the complete opposite world. I was uh, a carpenter and then on the side, I would just, um, travel the world and compete in downhill skateboard races. So like the, the big long skateboards, um, and That that took up about half my time. So I was actually able to make enough money to travel around through my sponsors and making longboarding videos. That was actually my first uh, business, technically, was just making videos of myself and all my sponsored friends and then selling them to our sponsors. And then from there, I I really didn't like carpentry. I had like a massive hate for it. So I was interested in the online business world, but I just couldn't really decide on what I wanted to do. And that's when I had a near-death experience that just really... Forced me to look at my life and make a big change. I was uh, longboard racing in the Philippines on a little remote island that was uh, 12 plus hours away from an actual hospital. And I missed a head-on collision with a motorcycle by like two inches. Like it's going this way and I'm coming head on this way. And the motorcycle was cut straight in front of me on a, you know, supposedly closed race course, but this is the Philippines, right? And I had to dive off my board to avoid this collision. Um, so it really, really just made me look at my life path and realize that any excuses that I had for just staying, being a carpenter and not going and starting that online business that I wanted to, uh, were just kind of hollow at that point. So at that point I just made the decision, Hey, this Amazon thing, um, I don't know that much about it, but I'm just going to commit to it and learn everything that I can about Amazon selling on Amazon.
1: Wow. I'm speechless. My my story is so much lamer than yours, but that's amazing. So you got into Amazon, everything like that, you know, and it was successful. So what are you doing now?
0: So what I'm doing now, it was actually um, a scare that really got me into my agency. So I have an agency now where we we help our clients grow on Amazon. But uh, the reason I really shifted a lot of my focus into that is because my own Amazon account got a, a big suspension probably like six months in. And it was right at a point where you know, I, I'm a, a real risk tolerant guy. I used to do like professional downhill skateboard racing at more than hundred kilometers an hour down the road. Right. So I was taking the same um, risks with my business and I was just reinvesting in new products as fast as possible, just making big consolidated shipments for sea shipments and everything like that. And right at that time where I had to stretch my capital to the maximum, uh, I got a suspension from Amazon and they held on to the payment for 90 days. Um, it was a trademark infringement one, too, so I had to hire a lawyer to help deal with that um, and it was just like a really scary situation. Um, you know long story short we we ended up figuring it out eventually, but it ended up costing a big chunk of money and it just like really shook me more than anything because it you know if i was if I was at that level with like six or seven products and that happened, I was just thinking what would happen once we were scaled up to you know twenty thirty forty products, and then the exact same thing happened. Uh, it's just really scary. So at that point, I just put most of my energy into just building out my agency. At the time, I was helping a few of my friends all who were also Amazon sellers with like the listing optimization and things like that. So I just uh, started taking on clients there and then slowly grew it into what it is now, which uh, we, we do full stack listing optimization, like everything on the listing and uh, Amazon pay-per-click management and then uh, management of, of some larger accounts for rents.
1: That's crazy. Well, that's kind of really cool. You and Jeff got started super similar because he started out also just helping out friends. So switching gears a little bit from your story and everything, I do want to go ahead and ask, you know, the burning question of just, you know, the coronavirus. Obviously, it's a really hot topic. So just so everyone knows, we are recording this on May 21st. So understand, you know, Amazon's always changing. But, you know, based on what you're seeing, right, with your clients, with your business, everything like that, you know, what are you seeing working right now during the pandemic? Is there any specific strategies, anything that really just stands out to you to help sellers during this time?
0: I mean, it's, it's an interesting situation, um, because like you're saying, it's changing all the time. And really, there's, I wish I had some magic bullet to tell all the listeners here. But a lot of it just honestly comes down to luck of the draw. Like, is your product category something that people are going to be buying right now? You know, if you're selling like luggage accessories, then you're probably just screwed. Like <laughs> the best marketer in the world, you're still screwed. But that being said, I think it, it's a really good situation for everyone to be taking a look at where the the potential gains are are there. Because we have some clients who are taking massive market share over a lot of their competitors. Like they had some really big competitors that just like didn't have their stuff figured out and they're not able to stay in stock and things like that. And so their Amazon ads have gotten way cheaper. So we're just scaling up their Amazon ads campaign as much as possible right now uh, and gaining that that keyword ranking or other things too, like Facebook ads. Um, a lot of people just pull their money straight out of Facebook ads. And so if, uh, if you know what you're doing, I don't recommend doing Facebook ads unless you do know what you're doing. It is quite complicated. But if you do, then spend spend that money because so many people are in the scarcity mindset that now is a good time to to land grab for a lot of people but i mean unfortunately it just really does depend on your product category like a lot of things are up a lot of things are down so it's a a bit luck of the draw for sure
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It is um, pretty crazy. Just, you know, some products really took a backseat just on importance level for people. So, you know, definitely makes sense. And I totally see where you're coming from with that. So I mean, Another thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, before we shift gears towards, you know, brand registry programs, things like that, but I wanted to ask you have you noticed a shift in multi channel fulfillment? Do you see more people going to Walmart.com, relying more on their Shopify after, because obviously Amazon shut down FBA warehouses for a little bit there and caused some drama. Are are you seeing a shift in that or have you had clients express interest in that?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a, a big. Shift towards merchant fulfill, especially when Amazon just made that announcement that they're they're not bringing in new shipments. Right, everyone was freaking out a bit. Um, I think it will push more people to other channels, and then certainly people that didn't already work with a third party um, warehouse probably are going to have that in some degree going forward. And a lot of people are realizing that it's just a good idea to have a third party logistics company that you're working with just, just in general, like I was talking with, uh, with Jeff Lieber on this, uh, when I interviewed him on my podcast, actually as freedom. And it's just mentioning the benefits of having that warehouse. Like if you have a big consolidated C shipment, you can send it to that third party warehouse and then just drip that inventory into Amazon. It's way cheaper. Um, it's way cheaper storage fees and you don't have the risk of like, you know, 50 cent per unit removal fee. If you have to remove it from Amazon, um, you can send your, your refunded, products from amazon warehouses to that third-party warehouse and they can fix it up and you know put new packaging on and all that kind of stuff like it's just so many good benefits to doing that i think more people are going to realize that but you know i'll be i'll be honest maybe this sounds a bit cynical to me um i just people in general in uh, the amazon world um always just freak out about something and then they say i'm going to ship my whole business over here and i'm going to do this and uh everything's going to be good and then and then things get a little bit better and then no one actually does it Right, I think I think it's more based on the fear of potentially what could happen, and then once that fear goes away a little bit, like Corona is uh, not really as bad as it as it was, um, then I I think a lot of people are just not going to do it, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I actually had a call. um, I had a I had a call today with um, someone, and we were talking about you know what to do with fulfillment, and they were asking you know should I get rid of my third party now that Amazon's back and running. And I was just like, you, you never know. Like that is the reality is this could come again. And, you know, FBA warehouses might, you know, shut down again. We we really don't know right now. So it is super important that, you know, yes, it's a freak out right now, but you should just always have that security blanket. So definitely agree um, with that but um, yeah and it's
0: really like not any downside as far as I can see right like it's not like you have to pay your monthly rent for that warehouse you just uh if you're storing stuff with them then you get charged for it if you're not then you're not it's just like there's no real reason in my mind not to do it
1: yeah I don't disagree yeah it is it's just good to have the security and again it just it just proved this whole thing proved you cannot be solely relying on Amazon whether it's fulfillment or whether it's, you know, just your marketing tactics, you should not be solely relying on Amazon in general, and you should be always expanding your business. So hundred percent, this all showed that, which hopefully is a good thing, right? Hopefully Amazon sellers get on board with it, focus on brand building and everything like that. So Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of brand building, I guess that's a good segue into our next topic. So, um, you know, obviously I know you are incredibly, um, advanced when it comes to the different brand registry programs of A plus content and storefront. So I definitely wanted to get your insight on that. So, um, you know, as far as A plus content, I think it's, that's a good place to start. Um, you know, what I've noticed from a plus content is a lot of it is shifting towards like image only a plus contents and things like that. So, you know, I kind of want to hear what is your way of a plus content? What's your philosophy? How do you frame a plus contents?
0: Yeah. And and this is one where like, there's a lot of like, you know, cool, cool hacks and stuff that everyone's looking for. Like, what is the cool hack? What is the right template to use and all that? Um, and to be honest, like, I think the template is one of the the least important things. And the most important thing is actually the most difficult thing that applies to any part of the Amazon listing, which is, so I have a, a methodology that I like to call the triple optimized Amazon listing. And number one is keyword optimization. Everyone knows that one. Number two is key info optimization. Number three is persuasive desire optimization. So those last two really are what we're focusing on here. So key info optimization is all about like what are the most important pieces of information that a customer needs to see in order to make a purchase or also to make a click, right? That, that applies to the title and everything. So customers even want to click your product. There's just specific information that is just super key to some products. So for example, a, any kind of food container, the, the word BPA-free is going to be just that trigger word that like a large percentage of customers, if they don't see that word, they're not, they're not going to be interested in your product at all. Information like that. It's all about identifying what is the most key information about your product and then placing that in the most important places of your listing. An example of that, um, we had a a new client that we're onboarding and they they do quite significant numbers and it's really good, but their A-plus content is doing a really poor job of key info optimization. So at the very top, the very top, the first thing that it says in that first graphic, the first header is like, we are a homegrown UK brand. Uh, and something about that. And you know, that's great. But that has nothing to do with their main value proposition, or the main reason why people buy the product, like, cool, that's something you might want to add near the near the bottom and some text or something like that. But the very top most prime real estate of the entire thing, what well, had nothing to do with the the main value proposition of the product. So I think people, it's wise to think more in terms of key info optimization and less in terms of like, Oh, is this module better to be above this other module or, or whatever it is there. Um, and when it comes to having all images and you know, I think it's a good idea to use imagery as much as possible, but I don't think it's a good idea to rely 100% on images. And the reason for that is you have different types of shoppers. So you want to hit the different segments. So some people are more visual. I mean, that this gets like really complex through like, uh, you know, Myers-Briggs and all that kind of stuff. But there's like, there's certain people learn in different ways. And if you're someone who is much more visual, then you're probably only going to look at the picture. So you want to optimize for that. You want to have some text on your images, you want to have icons on the images. So those people can clearly see the key information and be persuaded by that. And then there's more analytical people that they're going to be readers and they're going to read every single text section of your listing. And you want it, you want to Optimize for those people as well. So, optimizing for one at the exclusion of others is really not a good idea, in my opinion. I think like you do want to be light on the text, but um, being light on the text is actually more difficult. Getting the same amount of like really valuable information condensed down into super small amount, super readable, super easy to understand text is really an art form, and that's where the last. uh, the triple optimized listing methodology comes in persuasive desire optimization so that's essentially just sales copywriting right it's the psychology of writing any kind of written word that has the goal of persuading someone to buy your product right it's bridging the gap between your customer's current undesirable situation to their future improved situation your product is the vehicle for them to get there Right. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a very technical way to say that, but it really if you're not optimizing for that kind of thing, then your conversion rates just aren't going to be what they could be.
1: That was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, totally agree with that. It is super interesting to see people so reliant on like, what is the right layout? Cause I totally agree. It is at the end of the day, if the information and how you're portraying that information that is the most important. So, you know, obviously the, the example you used was containers, right? For food and how BPA free is, is obviously incredibly important for shoppers that are in shopping for that product. So if I am a seller and I actually just, I have no clue what information is important, how would you suggest that I find that information? I mean, you should know your product, but if someone is struggling with that, what, what would you suggest for them?
0: yeah that's a really good question, so I think it's very, very important just to spend like obsessive amounts of time looking into customer reviews and even getting on the phone with your customers so this is something that I personally do with every single business project that i'm involved in i will I will try to get on the phone with at least five hopefully ten of my target prospects and just basically figure out what are their pain points uh, why you know what do they like about certain products like why they bought other products like that in the past, why they have decided not to buy other products like that in the past and just really learning all of those things. So, I mean, the key things to try to figure out here is like pain points. Like what are the the different pain points that your typical customer has? Um, and then also like, what are the different beliefs? What? So for a lot of products, there's probably two layers of belief that they need to really change in their mind before they're ready to buy your product. So an example of that maybe is, um, Let's say that a fidget spinner, as an example, they first have to believe that a fidget spinner is, you know, they, okay. So they have the pain of, they get bored and really, you know, they can't pay attention. So first they have to believe that a fidget spinner will solve that problem of them getting bored. And then they have to believe that, you know, whatever type of fidget spinner that you sell is the best type of fidget spinner. So there's two layers of beliefs that they would need to go through in that specific example. And you need to position your A-plus content and everything on your listing, your images and your, and your bullet points and everything like that to really, to really bridge that gap and like assume that your customer is at stage one and they don't even know that a fidget spinner is a is solution to their pain, right? And you can't do any of this unless you really know all of these things. And the only way to know all these things is to go really deep into the customer reviews to get, you know, hopefully get on the phone with them, look in some, some forums, Facebook groups and things like that. Um, just like it spend the time necessary to actually understand these people and get inside their mind. There's really no shortcut to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's awesome that you take the time to just talk to customers, talk to that demographic. And I mean, we we talk about that too with our clients where we'll say you know if you're not even sure who your demographic is like use brand analytics try to get that information try to get that information through surveys on your own email list different things like that so it is so important to try to see what they're thinking and then obviously reviews are a great place to start right where it's like you know they're solving that problem use a plus content to solve that problem so Definitely agree with that and then I mean the other points you were making when you were talking about building that a plus content and what to include you also were talking about just you know the search term part of it right where we do want to think about that so you know the back end search terms right you have to you get the hundred characters in the back of each back end search terms. What is your process in finding the best search terms for that? And I guess at the end of the day, like, what is your thoughts on the backend search terms for A plus content? Do you feel it's important for indexing, or is it kind of up in the air, like everything else with indexing for Amazon?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think it's important. I've actually, I've actually seen some tests. I've done a few tests uh, myself recently. Um, getting keywords indexed through the A-plus content uh, text modules. Uh, you know, when it first came out, uh, no one was really able to, to do that, it seems, but it, it seems like that's been incorporated. So we do fill out all the image keywords. Amazon does actually state in their, um, you know, some of their documents that they do use that for search indexing. So it's just another place to fill out. And like, it absolutely does help with, with everything. The more relevant you can make, the keywords in your listing, whether it's in the A plus content or the A plus content image keywords, or, you know, we even go as far to uh, change the image metadata of all of our images, like the file names of the images and the, um, uh, the metadata, like the alt text. Um, it's just, it's an old thing that like Google SEO absolutely uses the file name of the alt text to help with keyword indexing. So I think it's a safe assumption that Amazon does as well at some point. And, you know, I haven't actually tested this enough to know that for sure. But it's something that doesn't take that much effort and i can I can make a pretty good guess that if Amazon has a, an even remotely sophisticated keyword indexing algorithm, they're going to be looking at a, a key point like that
1: definitely yeah i think I think you've made a lot of good points there so um you know that's actually a really good tip about the images that's not something that everybody knows, so that's really helpful um you know and as, as far as keywords go, totally agree. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you should be fitting them in where you can. Right. And, you know, so we build that out. We build out the A plus content. It looks great. So why don't we go ahead and shift gears so we can talk about storefront a little bit here. So, you know, you know, I'm going to kind of start it off similar to A plus content, but what's your thoughts with building out the storefront? Is it the same methodology? Is it the same process? Or is there a little bit more that goes into it since it is so much bigger?
0: Yeah, I think it's really a completely different process there. I think on the storefront, the best way to use an Amazon storefront as basically a landing page. So a really powerful strategy right now is sending external traffic um, from Facebook or Google Ads or something like that to an Amazon storefront page because you have way more control over that page than you have over your own product listing page. So um in, in one example that I that I share all the time, there was 27 other competitor products on, on this one product page. So this is on the customers who viewed this item also viewed sponsored products related to this item. There's, there's like 15 or 16 different modules that Amazon will, will put onto your listing to try to get your customer to click on another listing. If you're sending external traffic to that page, then there's a very good chance that you just paid for someone to, to go to a competitor's product and buy their competitor's product. If, they're coming from an ad and they go straight to your storefront page, you can customize different, uh, different tabs, different pages of your storefront to be a custom landing page for exactly whatever kind of ad you're running. Like you want to run an ad for um, one of your specific SKUs, then you can make a, a tab in your storefront that just like is a landing page for that. And it has a big hero image and it has a video underneath and it has like all the benefits and like all these, all these fancy graphics there. Um, so that's probably the most powerful way to use it in my opinion. And like, it's also a landing page for Amazon sponsored brands ads, right? You can send that as a destination for the sponsored brands ads. So in my opinion, it's not to be seen as like just another website page or something like that, because very few people are just going to end up clicking on your storefront. It just, Amazon just makes that really clunky to actually go find your storefront. So the way to use it is as that is the landing page, that's the portal where someone's going to find your band for the first time and then and like controlling that traffic a little bit more. So it's, it's always very custom to whatever you're doing. I think if you're running that Facebook ads funnel, then go make that Amazon storefront page very specific to that Facebook ads funnel. Cause the closer, the closer and more relevant it is, the higher, the better it's going to perform theoretically. Like if you just send someone to your general storefront page and they click on an ad that is talking about uh, one of your specific products, they're going to be, like what the heck is this? And and probably a lot of that traffic is going to click away.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good way to look at it because I mean, a, a common question I get all the time is, so we're going to build out this big storefront, but what are we even going to use it for? It's impossible to find if you're a regular Amazon shopper. I mean, I look at them cause I know how to find them, but um, you know, a lot of people will give me that feedback. So, I mean, you know, you talked about external traffic. Is that the number one way you guys are currently using storefronts or are you finding other strategies to input the storefronts into?
0: Yeah, that's really the number one strategy for us. Yeah, it's It's just all got to be really intentional. Like you said, I think most Amazon sellers, they just see it as like another item on their to-do list. Like I need to make a storefront, like just in case someone happens to like click on my brand on my product listing or something like that. But I mean, it's really, there. there's a much better way to do it. It does get very complicated when you're creating these kind of off Amazon funnels and then sending to Amazon and everything like that. And then you also get like the the extra analytics because it's a storefront page. So it's much better than just sending to your, your regular, um, your regular product page, but it is a complicated strategy, right? Anytime you're running any kind of, uh, paid advertising externally on Amazon, it's almost always more complicated than Amazon. Like Amazon's ad system is like, uh, a child compared to almost any of the other ones out there. You're going to be using like Google ads and Facebook ads are infinitely more complex.
1: Definitely. Yeah, no, but I mean, my, my favorite part of that was you were talking about don't do it to listing. Cause I mean, Amazon is putting everyone everywhere throughout your listing. So that's such a, such a good way to look at it. And, and people should buy into it as a landing page. I, I totally agree with that thought process. So, you know, kind of sticking to the storefront, I know that your team does video and everything like that for your clients. So as far as videos for Amazon, what, what are, what is your thoughts on like to make a surefire awesome video for Amazon specific?
0: Yeah. I mean, different ones definitely perform better for different products. Like there's going to be a certain subset of products that an unboxing video is actually probably going to be the best thing that you can do there. So things like, uh, you know, gaming chairs are these big things that are like complicated to set up. It's going to take you 40 minutes to set it up. So people want to like actually see someone like holding the product and like, oh, is this like how hard is this to set up? Do I need like a bunch of tools? Like does the material kind of like feel like like those things are all the most important things for the customer in order to be comfortable paying 300 bucks for a gaming chair but a lot of other products the most important thing to show is like the lifestyle of it so like you know with with supplements for example actually showing um some models receiving the main benefits of the supplement right you don't want to make a video of them like uh, downing some pills in their kitchen or something like that is is kind of useless you want to show them um if it's getting rid of inflammation you want to show them like going for a run with uh with their significant other with a big smile on their face like things like that like actually Uh, future pacing the customer to how their life would be improved if they bought your product. So it really depends on the product. Um, you got it, you got it. This is where it comes back to the customer research. Like what are the most important things that a customer needs to see in order to be comfortable purchasing the product? And then what is the best vehicle in order to show that, you know, if you're, if it is an unboxing video, then you got really lucky and that's incredibly simple to make yourself or get an influencer to do it for, for free when you just send them a free product.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, video is one of those things that people come to us. They're like, what do I do for it? And it's, it is a totally different thing for every single product. I I definitely agree where some you definitely need to show that lifestyle, but others it's, it's not as complicated and it definitely does differ based on the demographic. Um, but yeah, I mean, so my, my last big question for you, it, it kind of goes away from brand registry. And again, it's just because you've been we're on Amazon for a while and, and you've had your agency and obviously you're very involved with Amazon. So based on everything that's going on right now, what do you, what do you think is on the horizon for Amazon? What, what do Amazon sellers have to look forward to? You know, what, what should they be preparing for? You know, where, where do you think Amazon's going at the end of the day here?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that Amazon is going into kind of a new era. So we're we're currently on the front end of that right now. So right now there is two things happening when it comes to Amazon. There is a massive increase in the amount of customers that are gonna be regular Amazon customers and that's already happening. Um, And we really haven't seen the full effects of that just because of the extra shipping delays and all those kind of things that are holding a lot of that back. So once that really gets sorted out, there's going to be a significant amount more sales volume in general on Amazon and maybe some product categories that weren't that appealing before are now going to be appealing enough. You know, maybe, maybe the top sellers were doing $5,000 a month in sales of this, but now it's going to be like $20,000 a month in sales. All of a sudden it's worth it to, to go into that, those products. And the flip side of that too, is that there's also going to be massively increased competition. So, I mean, great, great for me with my agency and everything like that, like our, um, the demand for our services has gone way, way up for a lot of brands that they've been doing well offline for many, many years, but they really are not established online. Like literally right before, right before I hopped on this call here, I had a call with a really well established brand in Canada that that's the exact situation. They, they've been selling with Amazon's vendor program, which if you guys are familiar with vendor central, is a complete nightmare and a complete mess. Um, and they, they need to get things sorted out. And they're one of these kind of brands that in Canada that everyone knows them because they're in all the grocery stores and everything like that, but they're not on Amazon. Right. So there's just a massive influx of these kind of brands getting up and on there. So yes, there is going to be more competition, but that's also going to be balanced out with more actual demand. So we're just kind of going into like the next era of like, Amazon just becoming this even more widespread, even more accepted thing throughout throughout society, really. Like there's gonna be such a smaller amount of brands that are not selling their products on there, and there's gonna be a smaller amount of consumers that are not buying their products on there.
1: Yeah, no, it is, um I couldn't agree more. It is such an exciting time. I know for a little bit there everyone was a. Uh... A little nervous, um, but I, I would definitely agree that there's more to look forward to, which is is really exciting. And I would agree, there is such a demand to bring in an expert right now because there's so much more opportunity out there than there was two months ago. Because all these people had to stay home, now they bought Prime memberships. I mean, for those that didn't have one, which is crazy to me, but you know, there's there are those that didn't have a Prime membership, and you know, now they have it at least for a year. So this is the time to really. Break in on the opportunities that are coming up, which is awesome. So, um, but yeah, so actually that wasn't my last question. My last question is, you know, that was awesome. Great information. Definitely want to make sure people can find you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone listening here where they can find you?
0: Yeah. So, um, as podcast listeners, probably the best place would be to go check out my podcast. It's called actualized freedom. And, uh, I think we have like 85 episodes or something like that. And, uh, uh, Jeff Lieber from Turnkey also was uh, was on there. So I think the episode's coming out soon. But um, yeah, Actualized Freedom Podcast or KenjiROI.com is the name of my agency there. So we do all the listing optimization and Amazon Ads management for clients. If you guys want to reach out to me personally, then probably the best place is on on Facebook. Um, Danny Carlson on Facebook, and I have this big blue avatar face that I just thought it'd be fun if I got a graphic designer to just like make my face half turning into this like blue alien thing so um it's pretty easy to find me there
1: awesome that's great well danny this was awesome so much cool information about brand registry everything like that with a plus content storefront and obviously everything going on with covid so we appreciate your time your expertise and yeah i mean we'll look forward to having you back on i'm sure
0: that was a pleasure chatting thanks for having me on
1: perfect talk to you guys later bye thanks so much for listening in today if you want to chat with our team about these strategies, go ahead and head over to turnkeyproductmanagement.com slash talk. Talk to you guys soon.